about your psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. Hi everyone, this is Neil Pruitt from Neil Pruitt's Secrets of WCW Nitro. You may have heard this voice before, the New World Order. I was the producer and the voice for the New World Order. You're listening to the Wrestling Basement Podcast. This podcast has not been sanctioned by the New World Order. Hey everyone, this is Guy Evans, author of Nitro, The Incredible Rise and Inevitable Collapse of Ted Turner's WCW, and you are listening to the Wrestling Basement Podcast. Brand new Wrestling Basement Podcast here on the Cruise Control Podcast Network. As always, I'm joined by Graham Matthews from Bleacher Report, fan-sided, Daily DDT. He's on Twitter at WrestleRant. Grandma man, how you doing? Happy to be back here on the show, Randy. It's a little cold here in the basement. You might want to turn on the heat or something. But uh, other than that, doing great. What, you want a, a boiler room brawl? <laughs> hey, I'm down for a boiler room brawl. If it's as good as the uh, Mankind Taker one from SummerSlam 96. So you mentioned Taker. Um, we are going to talk about pretty much about him the entire episode. Pretty much because it, it might we might have seen the last of Taker. It's not official yet. But we, if you see the documentary on the network... Uh, all signs point towards Taker uh, hinting at retiring. Um, he did not say it officially, but you see people on Twitter and social media just thanking Taker for his contribution to wrestling almost 30 years. Um, so I just figured, hey, let's do something on him, but also it's going to tie into the 22nd anniversary of the King of the Ring 1998. Uh, most call it the the best Hell to Sell match ever. Uh, one of the greatest moments and matches ever between him and Mankind at the King of the Ring. So we'll get to that. and that, we'll, we'll tie that bow at the end. But, um, you know, just seeing Taker in this business for, you know, if you go to November of 2020, it'll be 30 years of when he debuted at the Survivor Series. You know, I'm seven years old and I see this character with... The hat, the long trench coat, the gray socks and the gray gloves and, you know, just, you know, Brother Love brings out um, Undertaker. I think it was DiBiase that brought out Taker to be in this match. And from that point on, you've seen the, the progression of possibly the greatest character in pro wrestling. And to see him here 30 years later, possibly hanging it up, um, it's, it's crazy. It's surreal. But... 
if it is, and we'll start here, if it is the last match he's had um, or will have ever, which is the Boneyard match with AJ at WrestleMania, um, w- how would you tie in, describe the entire career of The Undertaker? Iconic. I mean, I guess in one word it would be iconic, phenomenal, legendary, whatever. Um, it, it's so cool now to see him doing interviews yeah. you know, with the promotion around the Last Ride documentary to hear him share stories on all of this stuff. Um, I saw him doing an interview actually with his family, you know, Michelle McCool and his daughter. Mm-hmm. I forgot what his daughter's name was. And he had an interview with um, Mario Lopez and his family a couple days ago. It's on the WWE YouTube channel. It was up there like a week ago, I think. And one of his questions, Mario Lopez's question was, what was it like? What were you thinking after you tossed a mankind off the top of the hell in the cell? <laughs> and Taker just goes bluntly, I thought he was dead. I, I thought he died. Um, and thankfully he did not. But it, it's so mm-hmm. cool to hear his insight on this stuff. And there's a great episode of a show called Untold on the WWE Network. It's a show where they kind of shine some light on stories that are popular, but you hear from everyone involved. Like mm-hmm. They cover the Shane McMahon, Kurt Angle, King of the Ring, 01 Street Fight. Great match. Like they talk about that from Shane and Kurt's point of view. They did one a couple of months ago on Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle from WrestleMania 21. They did one on the second coming of ECW in 06. Mm. Another one they do, one of the first ones they do is on Taker and Mankind from 98. And you hear from the ref, who I forgot who the ref was. Was it Timmy White? I don't remember. It might, it might be him, yeah. I know Terry Funk was there. I think that you hear from Terry Funk. You obviously hear from Foley. You obviously hear from Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, I think. Mm -hmm. You hear from Taker over the phone, which is pretty cool. Um, But, yeah, they share stories on the match. And it's so cool to see all these different periods of Taker's career where he's known for different things. In the late 90s, he wasn't doing great work in the ring, per se. Um, I mean, he was with guys like Shawn Michaels, I guess. But, you know, the Mankind matches were really good. Those kind of took him to the next level, really gave him a foil that he could sink his teeth into. And it wasn't like a one and done. Like he beat Kama at this pay-per-view and it's over. Like Mankind and Taker feuded on and off for years. And he really helped put Mankind on the map. Uh, People like him, Kane, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I know it's really cool to see Taker's career overall, the recent stuff he's done in the last 10 years, um, the stuff he was doing in the early 2000s as the American Badass when he first debuted. Mm -hmm. And this Mankind match is really just a subsection of that from a 30-year career, which is unbelievable when you think about it. Okay, so let's start there. Um, The rivalries he's had with the Mankinds and Canes, I think those are those are the two more iconic rivalries he's had. Um, and, and I would say Shawn Michaels. So what is your favorite Undertaker rivalry? And what do you think is the greatest Undertaker rivalry? My favorite and then the greatest? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. So what's your personal favorite Undertaker rivalry? Okay, probably the Sean one just because, again, I started watching in the late 2000s, so Mm -hmm. that's one I really – I was a fan for from start to finish. I mean, it wasn't like a feud feud, but – you know, you also got to consider the matches that they had and the few they had in the 90s, too, which was also really, really good. So yeah. probably the Sean one would be my personal favorite, unless I can think of another. Um, you know, the build of those matches in the 90s and then the 25 and 26 matches, those were amazing. Actually, you know what I will say? I don't know if that's my favorite so much as, and this is my, you know, this might throw you for a curveball. Oh. I'm not going to say Heidenreich or fucking Kenny Kennedy or something, <laughs> but... 
Um, my personal favorite, cause this actually happened when I started watching as you know, a 2008, that's nothing compared to you and other people, but mm-hmm. the edge feud, I think the edge and taker feud is highly underrated. I think they had great storytelling. The matches were awesome. Um, that was another feud that lasted like over a year and it was a great SmackDown feud. And a lot of people forget about it cause it was happening concurrently with the Sean and Jericho feud over on Raw in 2008. So that would probably be my favorite, though the Sean one comes close. The greatest rivalry he's ever had, um, again, the Sean one is up there, the Mankind one is up there. Personally, I would probably say, in my opinion, the Kane one, the Kane feud, because there's so many incarnations from the you know 97 98 when they feuded on and off for the rest of 98 and in 99 2001 teaming on and off uh they feuded again in 2004 they feuded again in 2010 and the storytelling there was so wacky like oh you know we burned down the house and he killed our parents blah 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 it's so fucking like sports entertainment bullshit Mm -hmm. but like they turned it in absolute gold like you would never even think it's as dumb as it sounds because they executed it so perfectly and they made a literal star out of kane so I think the greatest rivalry he's ever had and the greatest rivalry he's ever had, even though their matches weren't always the greatest, was Kane. My favorite was Edge from the 07-08 period. I think people, like for me, again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm older than you, so I've seen these rivalries right from the, right from the jump. So, sure. you know, Mankind, you know, he comes in from WCW and you see this guy with a brown mask pulling his hair out in a fucking somewhere in in the dark with rats and this and that and he has this brown thing on his fingers and they I did not know that was Captain Jack until later on, you know. And you know, me, I'm like, okay, this this mankind character is brand new. So obviously when any any character in that kind of realm, all right, now you're going against um Taker. So that, that's that's who just Taker um attracted. So seeing him you know, mankind, early mankind could really like wrestle in the ring, you know, before he put the weight on and, and everything. So um, just seeing him and take a go at it, man, at SummerSlam and then Boiler Room Brawl. And uh, then you get Paul Bearer turning on Taker and going to man, going go with, uh, with, with mankind and uh, seeing both elevate their characters, even when they even when they weren't feuding. Is they were always intertwined somehow. Um, then there's buried alive matches, and then you, obviously you get to Hell in the Cell um, in in June of '98. But I somehow, man, I was always a fan of the Kane, like as you mentioned, the Kane Taker rivalry because okay, same height, the uh, brother kind of feud. Uh, did my brother burn down back in the day in the house? Who was the father and and just. The debut of Kane in '97 kind of set the tone for for everything. Um, I always loved Kane. The early early Kane days, yeah. Not, not the, I like Kane in the 2000s, but nothing competes with the early uh, mid uh, late '90s uh, Kane. So just the theme music, just just the notion that this this could be Undertaker's biggest rival, and they go to WrestleMania 14 and they have other matches, uh, Inferno and stuff like that. Um, I think both are major rivalries to the resume of Taker, also Shawn Michaels. Um, Shawn Michaels is, is different because he can move quicker than, than Mankind and Kane. He, he, he can give a better match uh, with Taker than, than Kane and Mankind. But if you talk about that that dark realm kind of aura of, of a character, Kane, Kane fitted, having Paul Bearer uh, um, around him, 
Kane not talking for so long, the fire, it just like um you 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 definitely don't see that kind of character um in, in today's uh wrestling. So to kind of answer this whole thing, I think the greatest rivalry uh taker um did have was was Kane. Even though the moments might go to mankind with the hell in a cell and stuff like that, but I think a rivalry, a true rivalry that went on in the nineties, in the two thousands, and the twenty tens, I would say Taker and Kane. I gotta agree. Like I said, I feel like like you said too, the in the moments, so yeah, you could say the mankind one, but the Kane feed had a lot of great moments too. Right. On and off for so long, dude. Like their careers are synonymous with each other. Right. And it wasn't just Taker and Sean, the matches are amazing, among the greatest of all time. Sean was already a made guy. Not that this really factors into like, oh, this is what makes a great feud, but it really is impressive when you think about it. They took a guy that was a fucking dentist in Kane before that, <laughs> or, you know, a fake diesel yeah. and whatever, oh, and they made him one of the biggest stars a in Hall the of history Famer. of the entire company. What'd you say? A fucking Hall of Famer. And a Hall of Famer, yeah. making him... You know, just as, you know, long tenured, long tenured as Taker was or has been, he's been here for almost 25 years. Kane mm-hmm. has been 23 actually now. Um, it's impressive. It's super impressive. He's had a career of his own, branched off and done other stuff. He's done, thanks to Taker, Kane is now the mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee. So he has yeah, Taker to thank for that. Exactly. But um, yeah, overall, I, I got to say, I got to say that Kane's had a great career, largely thanks to Taker and that, and that character. Uh, may not be one of the greatest wrestlers of all time by any means, but as one of the greatest characters in company history, there's no denying it. That mask came from like 97 to, I would say, 2000, maybe a one was on fucking fire, literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy was great. And people really bought into him as being like this menacing monster, you know? Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I got to say Kane. Mankind was another guy that Taker literally put on the map. Yes. So, I mean, again, if you say the Mankind feud, I don't disagree with you unless you say Heidenreich or something, like I said earlier. <laughs> um, but other than that, yeah, I would say Taker and Kane and Taker and Mankind are kind of neck and neck. But I would give the slight edge to Kane because of how that, I mean, dude, the debut alone is amazing. And yeah. Mankind had a great debut the night after WrestleMania, attacking Taker. But nothing will ever top that Kane debut from Bad Blood '97. Listen, I, I agree that um, underrated would be Edge. You know, even Batista, uh, Batista and Taker was uh, underrated in uh, in the mid two thousands. It is, it is uh, it, that in the Orton feud. Uh, uh, Taker yes. had a lot of good feuds yeah. in that two thousand period that people tend to forget about. The Edge feud kind of dominated oh eight. The Batista feud kind of dominated oh seven. Um, oh five, the Orton feud dominated that year with Taker over on SmackDown. He was a big part of SmackDown success for a long time there early on. Um, you know, that the feud with Brock in O2 was really, really good. Had a lot of good matches with Brock Lesnar. That's another very good feud on and off for the next 10, 15 years. Um, I'm trying to think in like oh three, oh four, he wasn't doing a shit ton. He was kind of on and off as the American badass doing the Phenom stuff, just wasn't great. Um, you know, the feuds with Kali were poopy. Uh, you know, you can there's a lot that there's a lot of bad feuds and a lot of bad matches he had too. The Mark Henry feud wasn't really that great. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one the stars that he really put over Edge, Batista, and Orton were far better off because of working with Undertaker. I mean, you could also put Hunter there too. Yeah, no, I would put Hunter in there from the like the O one feud up until like they feuded on and off after that. Yeah. But um there you know, initial O one feud and then up until WrestleMania 27 and 28. They had a great feud then, too. It doesn't really get the credit it deserves because, again, it was kind of scattered and the matches weren't as great as the Sean ones. But, yeah, they had great chemistry as well. Um, you mentioned 
American Badass, The Phenom, um, many variations to the character that shows the growth of Taker, like not not being stale, not being the one character your whole career. You know, imagine being one character for thirty years, right? At some point, like I got I got to change up. Um, so Phenom, there's the the Ministry Taker, which I think is vastly underrated. Um, American Badass. So, again, what is your favorite version of uh, Undertaker? Ah, uh, that's a tough one. Yeah, um, I know, I know. I feel like we've been over this before, but and it's hard to say. I'm obviously partial to the Dead Man stuff because that's what I've grown up watching. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't watching for the American Badass, although going back and watching it, I think it's a great character. I love it a lot. I don't know if I have any one favorite incarnation of Taker. Um, I would say in recent years, I've liked this you know, version of the undertaker, what we've been getting from him in the last couple of years, the matches have been shit though. That's the problem. <laughs> like the, the, the version of taker that we got for 36, that wasn't full on American badass, but the closest that we would possibly get to that without getting American badass taker was awesome. Like that was great. The stuff that he was doing going into WrestleMania 36 mm-hmm. and that promo that he cut on AJ, like that pre-tape promo right before mania was phenomenal. Like, I think that might be my favorite version of taker, although it was short lived. I can really, and then I'll give my answer in a second, but I can really see, and this will make all the sense in the world, that if Taker was going to go really, listen, I'm retired. I could see McMahon calling Taker. Let's say Taker is off until, let's say, uh, Survivor Series, um, on purpose Survivor Series. So let's say McMahon is around Survivor Series and then he gives Taker a call. Like, listen, you know, if you really want to retire, and do like a real 30-year thing, why not have one more match, I, I doubt, in the ring, and have it at Survivor Series because that's the that's the, the show you debuted at 30 years ago. If, yep. they, if they would do that, if, he, if, if that was to happen, take a retire's last match at Survivor Series, win or lose, I think that'll make the most perfect sense. Not WrestleMania. I, I get WrestleMania because that's the, the, the biggest stage, but if you can say... One more Survivor Series 2020, 30 years of Taker. After that, it's over. I, I can't see how you can perfect it any, any more than that. Yeah, no, I agree. I completely agree. Uh, that's what I was saying on our other podcast. But, you know, 30 years to the day at the exact same show. And, you know, we said on the other show, you brought up how there really isn't anyone for him to be brought back to face. Mm-hmm. The only person to me is AJ Styles. I know we kind of joked about staying in a boneyard match and, I mean, even Taker said that time that ship sailed years ago and WWE never did it. And that's their fault, in my opinion, that, you know, they should have done it at least at WrestleMania 31 when they were both in the company. It's so dumb to me. They never did it then. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think AJ makes the most sense. He lost to Taker. He can get his win back. He would get the best possible in-ring match out of Taker. To me, it's all dependent on whether there's fans or not, because if it's another cinematic match, then nothing will top the Boneyard match. So no. If it's an actual match and there's fans there and not the fucking PC people, then yeah, then I think it would be cool. But I don't think there will be. That might be too premature to invite you know fans back in the arena in this current state. Who knows that we that we find ourselves into the moment. But um, yeah, AJ Taker Part Two in the ring Survivor Series. Hey, you know what, dude? Throw the Intercontinental Championship on the line. That's the one title Taker never held. Uh, major championship he never held in his entire career was the Intercontinental Championship. Went four to V times, never won it. This could be it. He could win it. I mean, not win it, but like 
say that's the one thing I never did. I can go for the championship here. That would raise the prestige of that title by 10 if Taker were to go for it. Mm. And then he loses. AJ wins, rides off into the sunset, and that's it for The Undertaker. So that's what I would like to see. But also, if he was done at the WrestleMania 36, I'm equally content with that as well. Um, To go back, I know uh, we mentioned that the character. So for me, I think the Phenom is, is, is the best one just from the entrance, the music. Uh, if we talk about early Taker, yeah, I mean, he, he can really get down and wrestle and high fly all, all top, top rope and yeah, he'll he'll do that shit. Um, you know, he, first time being world champion, he was a phenom with, uh, I guess, Hogan at Survivor, uh, Survivor Series 91. So, um, you know, uh, a lot of different gimmicks, gimmick matches with the, the Buried Alives, with the Yokozunas and the casket matches and stuff like that. So I think that's, a, you know, just the outfit, the gimmick. Now imagine Taker coming out last match at Survivor Series 2020 with the same outfit he had on in, in 1990. It's even me. I, I'm thinking it's more detailed than that, but just imagine mm-hmm. that won't happen. But I think I like the badass to a degree. Like a lot of a lot of a lot of fans love the uh, uh, the badass character. I, I can see it, but it's like it was my favorite. No, um, the the Ministry of Darkness character is underrated. Uh, I think it was at a time where Stone Cold was hot, The Rock was hot, Hunter. Um, I think Sean Sean had gotten hurt, so he was out. So like Taker knew he had to, he, Taker knew he had to change a couple things to the character. So. New new entrance song was more fast paced, more dark. Uh, he did come out with the big the big trench coat and the hat and all that. No Paul Bearer by his side, so it was just really him. And um, now he he starts his, you know he began his own stable with the McMahon and the Rock and his Hunter and the and, and uh, Ken Shamrock and the Boss Man and those kind of guys. So it's okay. So Taker's like he got his own squad like okay i can i can see that and you know the, the, the stuff with him and stone cold and stephanie mcmahon and um you know that was, that was just a fun time i know it, it wasn't that long but i think that's one variation that people tend to uh forget and overlook because i think after that he went back to the phenom joint um no he, after that he went to badass then Phenom came back at like WrestleMania 20, but I think the Ministry of Darkness character is is heavily underrated. Yeah, no, definitely. As I was listening the other day, I was watching um maybe about a week or two ago, Backlash '99. Okay. And Survivor. What'd you say? I said okay. Yeah, so I was watching. I'm in the process right now of kind of showing my girlfriend out like the greatest, some of the greatest pay per views of all time. WrestleMania 15 didn't really make the cut. The show kind of sucked on the whole. So I showed her Backlash 99 instead. Mm-hmm. And I think it was it was Taker and Ken Shamrock. And we the week before that, we watched Survivor Series 98, which she liked a lot. Obviously, Deadly Games Tournament. It's a great show. Um, so. My, what I'm what I'm bringing up here, the, the reason why I'm bringing this up is that Taker in both shows came out as the Ministry of Darkness Taker with this. I, I can't really describe it. You would just just type in on YouTube Undertaker '98 theme. I mean, you know what I'm talking yeah, about yeah, you here, yeah. and I can't really describe yep, it. It's such a good song, dude, and it's I don't really know what else to say about it. Um, but he had it when he was with the Ministry of Darkness and kind of going through that period of like late '98, early '99. Didn't last long, but it should have because it's, it's it's such a good song. So uh, yeah, that is a kind of an underrated aspect of Taker's career was that uh, time period in the late nineties. And even hey, uh, listen, man, at that time he he had the big rivalry with Stone Cold. 
They had the highway to hell at SummerSlam 98. He was still feuding with Kane and Mankind. Uh, then the him and Stone Cold had this um first blood match at, oh man, what was it? Judgment Day. I could be wrong. Judgment Day of 99 or some, uh, yeah, Judgment Day. And it's like, McMahon was like, if you lose and something happens, some some stipulation. So he, he really had like a, the badass didn't come to like 2000. So let, let's say a ministry was like a year and a half, two years tops. So it's mm-hmm. like, it should have been longer than that, but uh, definitely underrated. Those who hear the show, or one, I thank you too. Go ahead and check out that period from like mid 98 uh, until maybe uh, 99. I think Taker was out for a minute. I think he was hurt. That's why he changed up. And that's why he came back at the Judgment Day the following year with the whole badass. So maybe maybe the injury was the reason why um, he had to change up. But um, do you have any a personal favorite matches or moments from from Undertaker over the the, the course of his thirty year career? I, I, if you can't pick one, that's cool. But like one that really stands out, like a moment or a match from from Taker. Well, I mean, there's so many. I could we could do a whole podcast and our favorite slash best Taker matches. But <laughs> off the top of my head, uh, my favorite would obviously, you know, no surprise here, the Sean match from 25. I think the okay. 26 match is amazing as well. Does not get the credit it deserves. In my opinion, it, one of as we talked about a couple months ago, one of if not the best Mania main event ever. Even more so than 20, in my opinion. I love that match. Mm. Uh, so those two, the obviously the first ever Hell in the Cell match between the two of Bad Blood 97. Yep. Um, those in recent years, I like the Brock Lesnar Hell in the Cell match from 2 I liked a lot. The uh, hell, the other Hell in the Cell match they had back in 2015 was really, really good. The CM Punk match of 29 was good. I'm trying to think of other the Triple H end of an era match, I fucking loved. I loved the 17 match, but I really liked the WrestleMania 28 match a lot. From the last decade, I really liked that match. Um, the Edge matches, specifically the Hell in the Cell match, the TLC match they had back in 08 were really, really, really good. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Him and Orton had a good match at WrestleMania 21. I enjoyed that one. From the early portion of his career, not a lot of great matches. I enjoy the Vader match, a Canadian uh, stampede in your house show. I liked mm-hmm. that match when I watched it back recently. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's more I'm not thinking of. The Mankind matches were good. I'm trying to think of what, like one classic match they had, the Boiler Room Brawls, we kind of joked about at the beginning, I, I enjoyed. Um, fuck, I'm trying to think of one of the matches, <laughs> but those would probably lead the list until I can think of more. Um, you know, oh, Kurt Angle, No Way Out, great match, 2006, amazing match they had on that show. Mm. Um, yeah, there's more I'm not thinking of, but those definitely lead the list. I think for me, you probably mentioned all of them. The the the, the first Hell in a Cell was Shawn Michaels, um, Hell in a Cell, Mankind, Inferno match with Kane. Um, you mentioned Brock and No Way Out, uh, Hell in a Cell match. I think. Uh, uh, oh yeah, you mentioned Edge, Edge and um, Taker from SummerSlam 08, I think. I think that I think that was Hell in a Cell match. I think. Um, yep. What else am I missing? Underrated. Okay, okay, obviously twenty five with Sean, which is dope. Um, <laughs> underrated would be him and Bret Hart from SummerSlam ninety seven. Yeah, think. I would say that's underrated. Absolutely, very underrated. That's a good one. I think it had one of the most creative finishes, and you know what? That's that's this match that really sparked this whole Shawn Michaels 
rivalry. If, if people really, really, really don't know, they should go back and check out how the, how the hell Sean and Taker really got uh, feuding. Hey, go check out SummerSlam 97 and you know why. Um, mm-hmm. Trying to see some other things. But if Him and Stone Cold had some decent matches. Yeah, the the, the highway to hell was, was, was okay. I think Stone Cold mentioned many times that I think he had, he got hurt. A uh, little concussion or something. Oh, no. Um, Taker hit him by mistake somewhere. And Stone Cold was like, he blacked out. So he he, he felt bad about. Mm-hmm. Not yeah, he, I've heard that before. Yeah. Uh-huh. They, they were good. Not underrated, but they were right. good, though. The him and Batista had a few good matches. I think that the, the, the WrestleMania 23 was good. Him and Batista. Yeah, I forget about those all the time. But yeah, those were great matches. Those really helped, you know, legitimize Batista as a top talent, in my right. opinion, aside from the Triple H ones. But uh, yeah, I don't know if they were underrated, but they're definitely among his best. You know, it's uh, crazy, man. How we we don't we don't we don't sit here and be like, hey, man, that that Undertaker Rock match was dope. I'm trying to figure out what did they ever have a fucking one on one? If so, like. It wasn't on a pay-per-view. I guess not as much as him with The Rock, right? Oh, man. That's a good question. Um, I'm sure they've had a match. Yeah. They definitely had a match. I don't know if they had a full-on program, though. I don't think they ever did, which is really surprising. I don't think they did. <laughs> that's, that's I feel like they had a match at a fucking like, No Way Out or something a long yeah. time ago. Um, wait a second. Maybe No Way Out. Oh, no. Nah, and Rock faced... Mm, that was a total threat with him and him and Rock, uh, Rock Kurt Angle and Taker. But I'm trying to think. That's of- an underrated one. That is one of the greatest triple threats in WWE history. So yeah, that was a triple threat. Ah uh, fuck, I can't think of any. There you go. I don't know. They faced off at some point. I'm sure. That that uh, that's your next Bleacher Report article. Uh, Taker, why Taker did not fight the Rock many times on a pay per view for 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 substance. <laughs> yeah right I mean they had so many stars that they can't get to everything but it's like Rock and you know Shawn Michaels the timing was just off there but that would have been a cool program too that match I don't think we ever got it at all Yeah, I know we had Rock and Taker at some point um, but. him and Randy Orton 21 the, the streak versus Legend Killer was dope yeah, I mentioned that one. That one was good. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed that. The Ric Flair match is very underrated, too, from WrestleMania 18. That's a good one. I enjoyed that one. Um, I noticed I noticed so many other matches, bro. Just, even like early, early Taker. Um, can't think of it right now, but I know he's had so many dope matches that we're not even you know, mentioning. Yeah, that we're not even thinking of. Like the Armageddon Hell in the Cell wasn't exactly his match, but he was involved uh-huh. in that. That was a fun one. Um, the Jeff Hardy match on Raw was really good. Again, him and Brock had some great matches uh, in 02 and in 2015. I thought the Hell in the Cell match in 2015 was probably his last truly great match, aside from the AJ Styles one. Mm. Um, shit, dude, I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm trying to it's think. tough. It's tough. Um, and, and obviously, in, in recent talks we with some Twitter people and um, sports people, um, the convo came up. About like, I guess when you ask a famous star or a famous ball player, so like you know this guy Damian Lillard from the Trailblazers of the NBA, uh, somebody some random person asked him, so like who's your, who's on, who's on your uh, Mount Rushmore? You know that that happens all the time. Who's your Mount Rushmore of this and that? So he said, Taker is on his Mount Rushmore. Um, my question to you is: Is Undertaker on your Mount Rushmore? And is he? If you ask, like a general survey of fans, 
is Undertaker on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling? And, and, and if not, why not? I hate doing these type of questions just because there's I so many, it. like there's so much criteria that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Like again, are we talking uh, characters. Yes. He's the greatest character ever created. So, but if you're talking like for professional wrestling, what's the Mount Rushmore? Like, again, are we talking in the ring? Are we talking promos? Are we talking overall package? I would say, no, I've never put Taker on my Mount Rushmore. To me, it's always been stone cold, um, Hogan, Cena, and if not rocked and like Sam Martino, because those are the people I think that were the biggest that really helped the company the most for WWE. You could put Ric Flair on there. Uh, Dusty Rhodes would be on there for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taker. The thing with Taker is that I kind of put him in the same category as Triple H, where he's been around for 25, 30 years, but they were never the face of the company. So it's tough. Same, like Sean, I guess you could put on there. Bret Hart, obviously. It's so fucking tough. But no, I wouldn't put Taker on my on my Mount Rushmore. If you just say wrestling Mount Rushmore, I'd probably say no. But um, if you said greatest characters, he wouldn't just be on the Mount Rushmore. He would be the Mount Rushmore because I can't really think of any greater characters than The Undertaker. Probably Kane, but that's about it. Um, He's not on mine. I don't know what mine will, 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 will freaking look like. Uh, no Stone Cold's on it. If uh, I, I think Hogan has to have a spot, whether you he like has it. to. I mean, if, yeah. when you say wrestling, people think, yeah, you know, Hulk Hogan, exactly. You know, I know people know more people. If you ask them today, they know who The Rock is more than Stone Cold Steve Austin. But that's because of the success he's had outside of you know outside of WWE. Mm. And that doesn't really that doesn't always like people don't know Hogan for oh yeah he was on the nanny of course like the fuck <laughs> that's a great movie like no of course not they know him from professional wrestling you know. Um, Stone Cold was as hot as he was in the 90s, so I would put him on there. Rock had an equal impact, but I think Austin was more of the guy than Rock was, in my opinion. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, fucking, you know, I, I don't even know, but more people like Batista, like he, no more, you know, people I know that aren't wrestling fans know who Dave Batista is because of all the success he's had in movies in the last right. couple of years. Is he on the Mount Rushmore? No. You know what I'm saying? So that doesn't, that isn't always a great factor. If you don't know him from wrestling, like people know who John Cena is from wrestling. Right. When you say, oh, and my name is John, or his name is John Cena, whatever, people know that because he's from wwe and he's not even around anymore so that's why i would put cena on there i'd put hogan on there i'd put austin on there you know people wouldn't put sam martino but i just feel like i put sam martino because like my dad knows who bruno sam martino is a lot of older people know who bruno sam martino is he put wwe in the mat for as long as he did early on and without him the company may not be around so you you don't have to put him on there but i put him on there because i put him on there as the face of the company Backlund is another one. Mm. Um, he was underrated, and you know he was around for a while, but that didn't make as much of an impact as like a Sam Martino did or a Hogan. He was kind of like in between. But um, yeah, that would be my Mount Rushmore. I, that's usually the four that I typically stick to. So I think it would be Stone Cold, Hogan, The Rock, and Ric Flair. I think if, if, if anybody gave you those four, like the biggest star, if, if if it came down to the biggest stars of wrestling, Mount Rushmore, those might be the, the top four stars because everybody from kids, uh, high school people, young adult, grown men, adult men, older people. Oh yeah, Hogan. Oh yeah, Stone Cold, uh, my, uh, The Rock, and Ric Flair. Yeah, so those. You know, they know Andre the Giant and the Machos and the Warriors and Bretons and and Shawns and those guys, but it's like. 
When you mention pro wrestling, man, those probably are the biggest four names you have who made money in the ring, outside the ring, pop culture, in in hip-hop videos and rap songs. Those are the four guys that are always mentioned no matter where you go. So I, I would say Hogan, Stone Cold, The Rock, and Ric Flair. You know, with all due respect to Taker, but Taker's, Taker's in the conversation. He's, he, he's near the mountain, but... You know, again, if you go by longevity, then then, then Taker is there. He's been there for thirty years. So I think it's about, you know, personal preference, characters. If if you go by in the ring, but I think he he just on the outside looking in, but he he's not that far away. Yeah, no, it's not like he's like, oh, there's no way I would put him on there. If you put him on there, dude, I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, no, that's stupid. Like, no, of course not. Like, I, it makes sense. But for me personally, I I just wouldn't for the reasons that you kind of mentioned too. Um, so we are approaching this anniversary for the King of the Ring 98. Uh, many people, you know, highly regard this as the great, I know me and you have spoke about this many times, but now we're just, it's, it's the anniversary. So we might as well do it again. Many regard this hell to sell match with Taker to Mankind, the greatest hell to sell match of all time. There are, there are also, also matches of, um, him and Sean, Taker and Brock Lesnar. There's so many different Hell in a Cell matches. Taker and Triple H from WrestleMania 28. But many fans would say, once they hear Hell in a Cell, oh shit, Taker Mankind, that's it. Sure. Um, is this Hell in a Cell match between Taker and Mankind from the King of the Ring 1998 as we celebrate the 22nd anniversary of it, is that the greatest Hell in a Cell match of all time? No. No. Um, I mean, moment wise, the thing is, is this is so polarizing because it's not a match in my opinion. I mean, it's a fucking match, obviously, but I I don't think it ranks as the greatest match because if you look at it as a match, it's not a real match. Like it's more about the moment of him getting tossed off, getting tossed through the cell and the story they told to me, the greatest cell in the cell match is Sean and Taker from bad blood easily. Like maybe you could put the mankind match, Second, because of how, again, like when you say Hell in the Cell, people think that or the Sean match. I would put the Sean match first. This might be a close second. Because um, I don't really, anything else you would be like, nah, maybe not. Like if I was to say Brock and Taker, or yeah, yeah, Brock and Taker, eh, I don't know. It's a great match. Would it be top three? Probably not. Um, so yeah, I'd probably put those two number two personally. Um, great as Hell to Cell match? No. Biggest or greatest Hell in a Cell moment? Yes. Yes, um, I agree. To me, the Shawn Michaels taker from 97, better match, longer match, uh, debut of Kane, the different elements of, of, of that match, the beginning of, of that feud, the first ever Hell in a Cell match. Um, but that King of the Ring, man, like, you know, me, I saw it live. So um, seeing. Just seeing mankind out there with the with the stupid white shirt and the tie mm-hmm. is like all right. I think he was trying to be with the corporation and uh, with McMahon, and he gets taken in this match. And not even five minutes into it, they're on top of the cell. Taker throws him off, and you know just just the the commentary from Jim Ross is always classic. You know, good God Almighty, that killed him, and you know. Um, as God is my witness, he's broken in half. Like you hear this all the time. That that's probably people say that that that's Jr's best one-two line 
and he's he said a lot of lines, but that was, those two lines right there are just so iconic. The the, the throwing off, off the top of the cage is so iconic because nobody knew that was going to happen. And you're right in the middle. You're right in the fire of the Attitude Era. So, it, it, you know, shit is happening. They're, they're changing up how they perform and, you know, it's like an extra gear with, with these guys. So when I see Mankind go off the cage and everybody's like... Oh, shit is over, but Tick is still on top of the cage, and it's like I don't know. Then they 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 pick up Mankind, the stretcher gimmick. He gets off it. You see this white thing in his nose, like oh, is that a fucking tooth? And he's like he's smiling, and I'm like oh man, like he goes back on top of the cage, or they both go back on. Ticker came down. He's on the he's on the uh, opposite side. They both go up same time. Um. I know the chair is up there because Mankind brought it up the first time. And then a choke slam happens and boom, he's in the middle of the ring and then Lola like, oh, he, he's dead. And he, he thought the shit stopped again. I know Mankind mentioned Taker had a broken ankle, I think, during this match too. Which he no, did, yeah, no, going into it, yeah. Which nobody knew. Like I I couldn't even tell uh, Taker had a sprained ankle, let alone a broken ankle. So just those two moves, those two things that are like just so... Iconic. Then you add later on with the thumbtacks. It's like, oh my god! Like, I think why people feel like that's the greatest Hell in a Cell match because of those elements. But if you're going like a pure wrestling match, that's Sean and Taker. But as far as the moments, I say Hell in a Cell '98 got it because those two things, the the thumbtacks, uh, and just, just it's not a part of the match. But like when when you have Kane and Stone Cold later on. And Mankind still comes back out trying to help Kane. I'm like, bro, you just fell off the cage. You <laughs> fell through the cage. You fell on thumbtacks. And you're like, no, fuck that. I'm coming back out to help Kane. Like like that, he just kept going, bro. That, that just, just that whole pay-per-view, that whole hour time frame is like so bizarre. It is. It's, it's a crazy type match it's like is it gonna end is it not gonna end is he dead is it real what's going on here the whole thing is just crazy it was must see car crash style tv and that's why it was so great and it really you know kind of defined that era in wwe of the attitude era where you could really expect anything and it kind of uh also defined mankind as a competitor showing that he would withstand all this punishment still get up still do the match uh both in storyline and as a person the guy that fucking has a tooth in his nose it was disgusting so um yeah the whole the whole thing is a real spectacle i don't really call it a match again it's a match officially but to me it's more of a spectacle and for that reason alone it'll never be forgotten no, definitely. I just um, uh, we've seen what twenty twenty five cell matches. It, 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 it's got its own, probably close to thirty. 30 I would say now? at this point. Damn. And for me, like I, you know, me getting older, I'm like, man, I I was here when I saw the first one, and you kind of see how it evolved. It should not be a pay per view. I know me and you have said that many times. It, it should be. It should be a specialty match for that, those kind of. Um, you know, ending of a rivalry, but just seeing that and then just knowing that it's the, it's the, the time frame for the anniversary. Um, I know you, I know you'll see it on, on social media on the, on the 28th and for Bleacher Report and even ESPN, you're going to see it. Take your mankind off the top of the cage and Jim Ross with the call. Um, it just, just a su- crazy, super iconic moment that'll never happen again. 
in a time where wrestling was so on fire that everybody in the world was watching it, I think that kind of made the, 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 the moment even more special and more immortalized in the fans of wrestling that you could talk about it 20 plus years later and not even know what happened after that. He's like, no, nah, take it through them off twice and that's all I got to know. Um, the overall show for the King of the Ring, if you want to talk about it, um, I should have that right here just to have fun with it. We did have, I think Ken Shamrock, he won the King of the Ring that year. Um, take it, Beast Mankind. We know Kane beat Stone Cold in the first blood match. The New Age Outlaws defeated the new Midnight Express. Okay. Uh, for the tag titles, X-Pac beat Owen Hart. Too much. Defeated Al Snow and, and Head. Okay. Uh, the Rock defeated Dan Severn in the King, uh, King, uh, semifinals. Ken Shamrock beat Jeff Jarrett in the semis. And the Headbangers and Taka Michinoku defeated Kai and Tai. So that was your 1998 King of the Ring. Yeah, it was a uh, it was an interesting <laughs> tournament. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't go with it. I wouldn't go with it as one of the greatest King of the Ring tournaments of all time. Let's uh, no. put it that way. We, we talked about King of the Ring last week. Um, I don't recall. You know, I, I don't. When, when you say King of the Ring, I don't think of Ken Shamrock because he was gone less than a year later. But uh, you know, they were trying to push him. They were trying to push him, and it wasn't you know the fault of WWE. I had read in Jim Ross's book recently that um, they were super high on Shamrock. The guy was great. I mean, it was, he brought that legitimacy to WWE, and then he just wasn't making dates. He didn't really feel like pursuing wrestling anymore, so he left by 99, so that kind of mm-hmm. sucked. But, um, yeah, not, not not the greatest King of the Ring tournament of all time. I'll put it that way. Um, just trying to read some other things about that match. Uh, um, nah, I just... <laughs> and then the, the funny part with Terry Funk coming in and... He got choked. Oh yeah, he was great. The shoe fucking play. Yeah. He, you know, gets choke slam out of his shoes. Amazing. Um, nah, it was. Um, you know, you know what was also different, and this might this this I guess this this is probably why I lean towards the the Sean and Taker because uh, Vince McMahon was not on commentary for Taker and Mankind match. He was on the commentary for Sean and uh, Taker. So I was, I know this this is a, maybe irrelevant, but I think for those two matches, like Vince McMahon's to me, it's always been a little underrated on the commentary. I'm not saying he's the, the world's greatest, but he did add a different element to uh, certain matches when he was doing commentary. Now, when it's JR and Jerry Lawler by themselves, they're, they're the fucking best, aside from Gorilla and Bobby Heenan and, and those guys. But um, it, like if you were to hear see the match, see both matches, and see how McMahon adds a different element to Sean Taker than to Mankind Taker, you might, I know you, I know you, you probably, you said Sean and Taker better anyway, but I think just add the McMahon element, it's like, all right, now I'm putting this more on top because of how McMahon went through the whole commentary thing. I know it's very minor, but um, just a little thing to, to, to throw in your way. Yeah, no, um, uh, I agree. Just overall, what I was going to say, too, I forgot to mention this before, but um, that, that on that show, too, with the Stone Cold Kane thing and how Mankind came out again, I don't know if you mentioned that, but uh-huh. I wanted to bring that up because it just really went to go show how, again, what I said earlier, the competitor that Mankind was, and really, uh, at that point, he had never been a WWE, champ- uh, WWE champion. He had never been a world champion by that point in his career in the company. Right. And he proved that he could hang on the level of a guy like a Mankind or a Stone Cold or a Kane or what have you. 
So, um, yeah, I, I wanted to bring that up too. I forgot to mention that earlier. Um, yeah. So then, that obviously, after that, real quick, that's when you start seeing this, the, the Stone Cold Taker rivalry. You know, Kane was world champion for one night. Stone Cold won it back. And then um, I think it was, I think Kane and Mankind became tag champions. And then they had Stone Cold and Taker team up at Fully Loaded. Mm-hmm. Then they go on the highway to hell, which could be another uh, show in August. But um, yeah, man. So I, I think it's cool that we took time out to, to talk about uh, Taker. I know we could talk about Taker for an hour, an hour two, three hours. So much information. But uh, celebrating the anniversary of the King of the Ring '98, the Hell in a Cell match. Many regard that as the greatest uh, Hell in a Cell match. Um, some could disagree. Some could agree. But go ahead, check it out if you haven't done so. Graham, as always, I appreciate you coming on the the Wrestling Basement Podcast on the Cruise Control Podcast Network. You can follow Graham on Twitter at WrestleRant from Bleacher Report and Fan Sided Daily DDT. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. And you can find the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Graham, my man, always appreciate it. Great as always, Randy. Awesome talking to you. I'll catch you next time. All right, man. Take it easy. All right. You too. Adios. All right.